You're listening to Resilience Recast, Episode 3, Training the Resilient Workforce with the Skills of Tomorrow. This podcast series is brought to you by Salesforce, a trusted digital advisor to business in partnership with Reuters Plus. To find out more about how Salesforce helps businesses transition to a digital work-from-anywhere world, visit salesforce.com. Hello and welcome to Resilience Recast. I'm Nisha Pillay. A skilled workforce is at the heart of most resilient organizations. We've seen this reinforced time and again during the pandemic. Traditionally, training and retraining have been lengthy processes, but the upheavals of the recent crisis have accelerated training programs significantly in order to prepare employees for a new digital world and totally different ways of working. In this episode, we'll meet leaders who've helped people reinvent themselves with new skills and new impactful opportunities, learning lessons in resilience along the way. Here to set the scene is Gavin Patterson, President and Chief Revenue Officer at Salesforce. There was a digital skills gap before the pandemic, and with the importance of digitalization and rebuilding back the economy and rebuilding society, that gap, I think, has got even greater. So reskilling the population, reskilling the workforce, uh, I think, is one of the most important priorities that we face. So it's, it's not just about looking for people with software skills, it's about giving people digital skills in all aspects of work, uh, all aspects of education, all aspects of governance as well, I think. But also, I think it is not just about the skills themselves, it's about how we work. um, And we're moving into a a world where actually there's more of a hybrid way of working. It's not going to be the classic five days in the office anymore. Ultimately, you'll need an ability to work from anywhere Um, And that requires a a certain mindset as well. So, you know, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity, you know, out of crisis comes opportunity, but actually making sure that we build digital skills into everybody in society is the key opportunity from here. Later in this podcast, I'll be talking to Natasha Adams, Chief People Officer at Tesco. Our first guest is Professor Johanna Odami, President of Sofia Hemmet University in Sweden. During the early months of the pandemic, when healthcare systems were at breaking point, Professor Odami led a high-speed initiative to fill staffing gaps by retraining furloughed airline workers as hospital and nursing home assistants. Professor Adami, welcome to Resilience Recast. I want to start by asking you to take us back to a year, really, March 2020, the start of the COVID pandemic. How did you end up retraining airline workers into the healthcare sector. It seems rather unlikely. Uh, Monday, uh, March 16th, I got a call from uh, one of the board members uh, in the Scandinavian airline company. They had just announced that 10,000 of the personnel had to be laid off. Since we had a collaboration from before, he called me and asked, do you think there's a need for reskilling so that the cabin personnel can support the healthcare sector. And I said, yes, let's go for it. And what did the cabin crew themselves make of this? I mean, it makes sense on a macro level, but for the actual people involved, were they happy to be retrained in this way? We were amazed that when they got this request the day after, overnight we had some two to 300 that responded immediately. Our first idea was just to do this in a very small group, 
for like 30 persons. But since uh, the response was so overwhelming, we immediately then decided to, to go for a bigger project. Can you give us an overview, Professor Adami, on the scale of the program, how many people you put through, what exactly the takeaway skills they had were? So last year, 500 persons were reskilled and went straight into healthcare or nursing, uh, nursing care. During the three and a half day course uh, that they went to, they got skills in basic medical knowledge, focusing on infectious disease control, uh, practical training in terms of hygiene, uh, sterilization, uh, practical things towards patients, such as the patient's need for hygiene, feeding, uh, brushing the teeth, what it could be, and also administrative skills that go wherever, if you work on a ward or if you work in a primary care setting. Last but not least, communication training with patients. Princess Sophia, mm -hmm. she attended the reskilling course. She contacted me, she took the course just as anyone else, and she has been working as a volunteer until two weeks ago. So what role did technology play? in enabling this really quite fast and focused reskilling program that you set up? Technology was essential. Without the digital technology and the skills uh, that goes uh, with that for teachers in higher education, this would not have happened. The mindset and the skills and experience from the cabin personnel was something special. They were kind of trained also to be like this very rationale, how to say, and to sort out what is most important in an emergency. That Indeed. was very clear. And to handle customers. How have you scaled it up? What are the other programs that you've developed um, as a result of this experience that you've had with the airline workers? How yeah. applicable is it to other needs? After the airline workers, we had uh, workers from the restaurant industry, from the hotel industry, from the transportation sector. I mean, from different types of actually services sectors, many, of course, because they were locked down and many of them didn't know if they will ever get back and they needed a job or, and also was interested in this. So that was our partners also extended this, for example, for the forest industry. We, they needed like plantation um, people that usually come from other countries. It was extended to many other sectors where you, uh, you needed that. And, and we at Sophia Ahmed University, we learned a lot to, to respond to urgent needs so that we, for example, started another one-day online course for vaccination skills. And this can also be go global. Is the program still going on? Uh, what's been the impact on the individuals involved? Have some of them decided to continue their training and make a real career, a long lasting career in the healthcare sector? We have established it as a permanent program, yes. We followed up uh, the persons who went through the program, uh, especially those in the beginning. And I was very happy to see that so many expressed that they really wanted to have a career in healthcare instead of their former careers. 
And actually we've seen several of them apply to the nursing program at our university and maybe other universities as well. So when you reflect on the experiences of the last year and these training and retraining programs, what are your takeaways about the way in which to construct these programs and about um, the ability of people to learn new skills? My reflection is that the university sector, like the higher education institutions, we can do much more and be more responsive and actually proactive. But we have a big both responsibility and an opportunity, I would say. This new approach that you have sort of stumbled upon because of the COVID pandemic, retraining, reskilling workforces, how applicable, how transferable do you think it is to other crises which are looming on the horizon, like, say, the climate crisis? I would say you can implement this or, or use this example for, I mean, anything in my view. This disruption, I think, will actually also help to meet some of the challenges that are not ahead of us, they are here now. Take climate, for example, where industries now all over the world really need to change the production and all of that stuff. The university sector could be a key sector to contribute to in new ways. Our podcast series is called Resilience Recast. What has this last year and the creation of these whole new training programs taught you personally, Professor Adomi, about resilience? I feel uh, privileged and also um, humbled to see that when you have a like an outer threat, how that also makes people go together and find meaning. That's the way of like to survive in the world. The pandemic, it was affecting all, regardless of socioeconomic status, age, where in the world you were living. And that made this positive. We have to go together to find the solutions. But again, resilience is about leadership. It's about values. It's about if you were at your workplace or wherever you are in your group, if you share the same goals and the same values, where are we going and why? Then it's no problem. Professor Adami, thank you so much for joining us on Resilience Recast. You're listening to Resilience Recast. Coming up, we'll be talking to Natasha Adams, Chief People Officer at Tesco. This podcast series is brought to you by Salesforce, a trusted digital advisor to business in partnership with Reuters Plus. To find out more about how Salesforce helps businesses transition to a digital work from anywhere world, visit salesforce.com. I'm joined now by Natasha Adams, Chief People Officer at Tesco, the UK's largest private employer. Natasha, welcome to Resilience Recast. It's good to have you with us. Thank you very much. Delighted to be here. Tesco, like all the other big supermarkets, was right at the front line of the pandemic from the beginning. Can I ask you to take us back to the beginning? What was it like? What kind of challenges did you face? How prepared were you? It seems uh, amazing that it was 12 months ago. Um, And so as an organisation, what we ended up seeing was that consumers' behaviour was 
slightly ahead of uh, sort of society's recognition that there was a pandemic um, sort of about to hit us. And, and, and what we saw was our customers were worried, our customers were panicking, and our store colleagues were having to sort of absolutely respond to that in the right way. We recognized very quickly that there was a number of dimensions that we needed to respond on. And as an organization, we set ourselves uh, to approach it as a crisis. And we had some very clear strategic objectives, which was food for all, safety for everyone, supporting our colleagues and supporting our communities. And that's how we stood up the business around responding to the pandemic and how we've managed it over the last 12 months. One very big early challenge was that a, a large group of your workers were suddenly unable to come to work because they had to protect their own health by shielding, as it's called. What did you do to fill the gaps? So it, it became very clear that um, you know there was a, there was some data available that was that was allowing us to forecast the impact on our colleague base, and so we sort of we were able to model the data. We have a huge workforce that is spread throughout the country, so we were able to you know very um, considered have a look at what we thought was going to be the absence rate. And as we knew more, we obviously then plugged in the shielding requirements. And what that gave us was some very staggering numbers. Very quickly, it became obvious that we, we would need up to 50,000 colleagues into our business to be able to keep our stores and distribution centers running to make sure we were able to deliver on that food for all um, ambition. And so we approached it very calmly after a few moments of uh, fear. And essentially our, our first job was to make sure that we allowed colleagues to shield as they needed and that we were, we were able to present our colleagues with the appropriate guidelines and policy that allowed them to stay safe. What we then did was capitalize very quickly on the um, what became the emerging opportunity for us as other businesses closed, as furlough became a tool by which um, people were kept safe and sort of employed whilst um, the pandemic and the lockdowns took hold. And so we very quickly mobilised the whole of the organisation in how do we um, ask 50,000 colleagues to join us. So let's unpick some of those strands yes. of action plan. 50,000 new staff members is a huge number. What did that mean in terms of changing your onboarding processes, your training processes? So it meant that we had to um, step back and step away from our traditional methods and processes. And so what we did was we identified what opportunities were presenting themselves i.e. there were lots and lots of people who went to work one day and were told to go home the next. And so how did we utilise what was our network, our network of stores and distribution centres? How did we quickly stand up the opportunity that if you walked into a Tesco store and said, I can work, how did we absolutely capitalise on that really quickly? So you had kind of a new pool of talent, are you saying? as yes, other companies were having yes. to furlough their staff. Yes. So you had to put a number of staff um, on indefinite leave, I suppose, because they had to shield themselves. But mm -hmm. at the same time, there were all these other workers available. Absolutely. So that was the opportunity that we needed to capitalise on. And then what we needed to do was understand from an end-to-end -end perspective what was vital, 
So actually, you know, making sure that we uh, kept new colleagues safe, that we made sure that we could maintain service levels and skill level as we served our customers through the pandemic. But actually, how could we look at our end-to-end -end processes and, and take out the things that were nice to have? and actually made sure we focused on the absolute need to have. And we've got a number of examples. So it is in just over two and a half weeks, we recruited 50,000 new colleagues. And, and we have amazing stories of, I was a pilot one day and I was um, sort of filling produce in a Tesco store the other day. We, you know, we, we had literally a number of people wrote to me to say, I got laid off or I got put on furlough. I walked into your store. I had an interview two hours later and you onboarded me three hours after that. And, and, and what that allowed us to do was make sure we kept everybody safe, that we capitalized on this amazing talent pool that through no fault of anyone was emerging. And that how did we use our existing assets in terms of our network? And then how did we step back and really only deliver the end-to-end -end processes that were, that were needed? What role did technology play in the total package of training interventions that you provided? What we did was we delivered a, a number of the trainings. So we have a very clear, detailed 12-week training program for every new starter that joins Tesco. When we stepped back and said on an end-to-end -end basis, we need to deliver this digitally, bite-sized, and only deliver exactly what people need to know to do a safe job and a good job for customers. All of the other bells and whistles that we that we add on through customer experience, you know, colleague experience and building the brand has to stay away. This is a pandemic, it's an emergency. So, so we use technology to enable the end-to-end -end process of onboarding colleagues and training colleagues. We use technology to get you know, the word out in terms of the vacancies that we had and the opportunities that we had. We also use technology in a very unique way, but never deployed it in the end. So one of the things that emerged very early on in the pandemic were businesses who knew that they may have to shut, were yet to understand around uh, the, the support of furlough, contacted us and said, you're gonna have a need, we've got a workforce. Our tech team in three days built a system by which a colleague in another business could log on and book onto shifts at Tesco stores. And we found a way to get it all connected and to work. We never deployed it because actually furlough came in and took that requirement away. But, but what we were able to really rely on was the capability and speed of a fantastic tech team of brilliant colleagues on the ground who knew what to do and technology allowing us to be able to focus on what really mattered in that moment. And did technology also play an enabling role in dealing with the big surge in online orders that you Hugely. might have had? Home delivery, I mean, I don't go to the supermarket anymore. I pick up my order from the Tesco car park and I book it online. Did Absolutely. How did technology help with all that? Uh, hugely. So, so in responding to food for all, one of the things that we needed to do was absolutely recognise that for all meant a, a considerable number of um, the UK being homebound, being asked to shield not just our own colleagues, but our customers. And we entered the pandemic with a, an online business that was huge. So, so we had 600,000 deliveries a week um, for, for customers who shopped online with us. Over a very short period of time, 
we built that out and accelerated that to 1.5 million deliveries a week and built the capability to be able to do that. And which of these developments that you've been describing to me, the way in which you use technology to onboard and train new staff, the way you use technology to rapidly increase the number of online orders, which of these do you think are going to become permanent features? 12 months on, I would say all of them. I, I think that um, we have learned a lot. We have um, exceeded our own expectations in the capability that we can build partnering technology in the right way. And it has made us really reflect around the operation of the business, the operation of recruiting and onboarding colleagues, and actually that they will be enduring in one way or another as we move forward. I understand you've been developing a new internship program alongside all these other things, the business diversity internship starting mm -hmm. in June. Um, what's that about? And is it pandemic related in any way? One of the things um, that we are, you know, particularly the team are super proud of is that across the last 12 months, we haven't cancelled any of our development programs or, or any of our opportunities to join the business, uh, but, but we've made them uh, COVID safe and we've technology enabled them and so what we did last summer was we did our internship program digitally and what that did was spark the sort of opportunity momentum and appetite for really thinking differently about some of our programs and and what has emerged is our um, diverse internship this summer which is a paid program to come and work in our business and we deliberately focused on um, being the most inclusive we can be and using technology as an opportunity to be more accessible um, as part of the internship. Professor Johanna Adami in Sweden was telling us about how versatile the new training programs, online programs they've developed have been. And they've now been able to change their focus from people coming into healthcare from scratch to people who are already in healthcare and needing further development. Have you found the same? Yeah, so uh, the technology and sort of our, our learning curriculum and, and digitizing it has, has opened up a whole new world for us, particularly on a scale basis. So actually being able to deliver meaningful learning at scale when you have a, a colleague uh, base that is hundreds and thousands of colleagues. It has also allowed us to think differently about learning styles. And it also has allowed us to really think differently about the pathways to roles. So one of the things that we launched this year was um, a data science apprenticeship program. And we specifically targeted colleagues who work in our stores. And so actually not busting some of those myths of traditionally, if you work in a shop, you can only do jobs in a shop. Actually, what technology and a different mindset can allow you to do is actually do jobs you never thought you could. Something I've been musing about is the role of the essential worker. It's a new concept, really, that we've all discovered because of the pandemic, and supermarket employees are very much part of that. Um, has that boosted morale? What kind of impact has that had on your employees? I think our colleagues were very proud to be considered essential workers and key workers, and a real recognition for the industry on the vital role that we played. And I think we shouldn't forget that quickly as we emerge out of the pandemic. What about resilience, Natasha? Our podcast is called Resilience Recast. Um, what key resilience lessons have you learned from the pandemic? There, there, there are many. 
there, there are many. Uh, to, to, to sort of give you a flavour for um, sort of the top few, we do plan, we are regularly talking about crisis and our response and how we run the business and how we step forward. We never particularly planned for a pandemic like this, but, but we all had a muscle memory. We all knew that there were particular roles to play. That's super important. And really agility is the other thing that I think has played an important part of resilience. And that is recognising that how you've done it before may not be how you have to do it now. And let's not worry too much about how we have to do it in the future, but let's be super responsive. Let's look at the opportunities and think about how we step forward, you know, really quickly. And, and that, that ability to operationalize and execute that um, really quickly for customers and for colleagues and our suppliers has been massively important in our resilience and response to the last 12 months. Natasha Adams, thank you so much for joining us on Resilience Recast. It's been great having you with us. Thank you so much. Really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. As we've heard in this episode of Resilience Recast, the pandemic has inspired new approaches to training and reskilling, opening up whole new career paths and creating, hopefully, a more agile and resilient workforce of the future. Thanks for listening to Resilience Recast. In the rest of the series, we'll continue our conversations with business leaders and other experts with frontline experience in building and maintaining resilience for their organizations. Please do join us again. From me, Nisha Pillay, goodbye for now. This podcast series is brought to you by Salesforce, a trusted digital advisor to business in partnership with Reuters Plus. To find out more about how Salesforce helps businesses transition to a digital, work-from-anywhere world, visit salesforce.com.